Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. Today we are talking about Throne of the Horde King by Zoe Draven. It is the final book in her Horde Kings of Dakar series. Um, We will be talking about sex and some other adult topics, so monitor yourselves accordingly with that. I will be doing our characters and locations and Marissa will be doing our plot today. So we have Kara. She is our main female lead. She's around 30 years old and is a hybrid. From the description, she looks mostly human, but she has a tail. She spent her life being raised by the high priestess who she calls Kuloma, but everyone else calls her Seta Kaliri. Um, And she has wanted to be a priestess, but her mother won't let her, or Kuloma, her adopted mother won't let her. Um, so she longs for adventure. Then we have Eric Sorok. He's our main male lead. He is a horde king, but unlike many of the other kings, he was actually raised in Dothic. Um, and he happens to also be the bastard son of Dothakar and the next in line for the throne. Uh, he spent a lot of his time planning revenge and building up sort of a resistance. Um, and so his ultimate goal is to take over and become the new ruler of Dakar. Um, we don't have like too many locations. There's um, Orala Pass, which is where the priestesses reside and where Car has grown up. Um, it's up north, so it's very cold. And then we have Dothic, which is where the Dothkar lives. It's a city um, where most people are living right now. Like they're not living out in the wilderness, which is how I picture where Horde Kings live. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, so for a while, probably since the third book, yeah, it was since the third book, there was a red, there has been a red fog that has covered the Eastlands of Dakar and it has continued to grow each day. No life can be sustained in the fog. It has affected the migration patterns of the wildlife of Dakar and as a result has also affected the hordes and where they can settle. The Horde Kings have been sending thespers, which are birds, with messages asking for help from the priestesses at the temple in the north for months and have heard nothing back. And so Rath Sarok, frustrated by the lack of response, makes his way to the temple to get some answers. And he sends his second in command off to get his horde settled. The temple isn't just home to the priestesses, though. It is also home to Kara a hybrid female who was left in the care of the priestesses after her parents died and who the high priestess claims as her daughter. Because she is half human, Kara is unable to become a priestess. She is desperate to see more of the world and feels like she is suffocating in the temple where she cleans and leads a mundane, repetitive life. Kara has had visions from Kakari, their goddess, since childhood about a man with a scarred back and Kara also discovers that the high priestess, her Coloma, has kept the threat of the red fog from her. 
through her research in their library and pieces of visions that she has received from Kakari, she realizes that she may have a solution for getting rid of the fog. The heart stones that are present um, throughout Dakar. There's one at her temple and there are four others. Rath Serok arrives at the temple, demands to see the priestesses, and is frustrated because though the priestesses have received the messages from the hordes, they never bothered to reply to tell them that they did not have a solution for the hordes. Kara sees him and realizes that he is the man from her visions. He notices Kara, but is unable to speak with her. That night, he climbs the tallest tower where she lives and sneaks into her room to speak with her. Kara tells him what she knows of the heart stones and her beliefs that they will help dissolve the fog. She tries to bargain with him to take her with him to collect the other stones, but he declines, saying it will be too dangerous and he could do it on his own. She is enormously disappointed, but still tells him how to obtain heart stones in the temple. The heart stone in the temple. The next day, Rath Serok makes his plan to steal the heart stone and decides on impulse to take Kara with him. As they are stealing the heart stone, the high priestess discovers them. She has seen that Kara will have to leave the temple and is sad because Kara is her daughter, but tells her that she will need to tells her what she will need to say to the priestess in the capital, Dothic, to obtain their heart stone. She also warns Rath Serok against trying to sleep with Kara. With the heart stone in hand, Rath Serok and Kara leave for his horde. Kara is finally able to see a little more of the world than her tower window allowed, and she appreciates and savors every moment of it. She asks Serok tons of questions, and though he is at times charming, he is also at times grumpy, and Kara can't help but feel attracted to him. He also helps her realize that some of her questions, like if he will want to mate with her, are not appropriate. Serok is not unaffected either, but he tamps his desire down and he eventually tells her his given name, which is Eric. They make it to his horde and then shortly after, Serok and Kara head for the Saruk, which is a town or a settlement where another heartstone is kept. On the way there, Kara decides to respect Eric's boundaries by not asking him to mate or staring at his body and to instead try to just be his friend. They stop at a lake for Kara to bathe, but it's deeper than she realizes and Eric jumps in to save her. She's naked and they both become aroused. Eric strips off his wet clothes and decides that even though he's sexually frustrated and it's a bad idea, he's going to tease Kara, Kara a bit which of course leads to orgasms for both of them. Eric, conflicted about losing control of himself, tells Kara that the whole thing was a mistake and they'd best forget about it. So Kara is upset. Eric and Kara arrive at the Saruk and Kara is able to persuade the leader of the town to bring the Heartstone to the Eastlands when summoned. Kara tries to set boundaries with Eric while he figures out what he wants from her. But when he gets jealous of a male from another species who offers to mate with Kara, all bets are off. Eric decides to claim Kara regardless of the consequences. And so they leave the Saruk and they go to the capital, Dothic, where Eric has a stronghold in the southern part of the city. On the way, Kara has a vision where she is pregnant. They are meeting to destroy the fog, but she and Eric are not together. Kara discovers that Eric is actually the bastard son of the Dothakar, their king and heir to the throne. 
She learns of Eric's troubled childhood, his father's attempts to assassinate Eric, how the king believed until recently that his heir was dead, Eric's extensive connections within the city, and his plan to eventually overtake the throne and remake Dothic. She also meets with his inner circle, who do not trust her, but help her and Eric come up with a plan to meet with the high priestess in the city to obtain the heartstone. They implement their plan to speak with the priestess, but things go awry when one of Eric's men, Eric's men tries to assassinate the Dothakar, who is unexpectedly at the market. Eric has his people get Kara to safety and tries to save his friend from death by making his presence known in the city. He calls out to the Dothakar, who hates him and is threatened by him, and Eric agrees to go with the king to the castle to negotiate his friend's release. But they all know what this is. The king is likely going to try to kill Eric. But before they leave, Eric audibly calls the Dothakar his father, making it known that Eric, who is beloved and respected by much of Dothic, is actually heir to the throne. As this is all occurring, Eric's friend conveys their message about the heartstone to the priestess. And so later she comes to Eric's stronghold and reveals herself to be Kara's aunt. They make a plan to infiltrate the castle, save Eric, and help him to ascend the throne. Eric's inner circle organized to have his followers storm the castle, and Kara and the priestess also go to the castle and demand to see the king, which the priestess does nightly as it's part of their prayer rituals. When they are shown to the king's room, Eric is there, bleeding, having been beaten for hours. The priestess announces Kara as the person that she foretold of who would make the king super powerful, and the priestess distracts the king who is drunk while Kara unshackles Eric. The king realizes what is happening, though, when he attacks Eric again. Meanwhile, Kara has a vision, is filled with Kakari's power, and the king demands to see her will. So Kara is in enormous pain, and she touches the king, and she can feel how dark he is inside. Kara blacks out, and when she wakes up, the king is dead. The days that follow are chaotic as Eric takes over rulership of Dothic, removing guards that would harm him and his people. While Kara copes with the psychological ramifications of the pain she experienced from Kakari and the guilt of killing a man. Things get sketchy, though, when Kara's aunt, the priestess in Dothic, tries to influence Eric's decisions through his relationship with Kara. Eric decides to send Kara back to the temple in the north. When she tells him that she is pregnant, he does not believe her. He acts distant and like her bloodline is a threat to him and Kara is hurt but she heads back to the north. However, there is still the fog to deal with. So what will happen? Do they destroy the fog and do we get a happily ever after? Spoilers abound. So I'm sad. I know. I, know, I didn't right? want it to end. Either normally, as soon as like she puts out a book, I have got it and I am reading it. It's like comes out at midnight. It is basically like twelve oh one, and I'm like yes, but mm. no. <laughs> it was no. like it. I didn't read it right away. I only read it like for when we did the podcast. Right, normally her books are rereads for me. Um, but yeah, it was yeah. hard. It was hard because it it's. At least it was long. It was like almost 600 pages, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a long one. 
Yeah. And it was really good. It was just hard to start it because you know, it's an ending Mm -hmm. and I struggle with endings. So yes, it was just great, but it makes me sad. Yeah. She did say she's not leaving the whole world behind. So we will get. Yes. A spinoff series for this world. And she's starting another series that's supposed to come out later this year I think which is exciting too I mean everything that she writes is great it's just this is probably my favorite series that she has Mm -hmm. makes me sad I feel like so this series was my introduction to alien romances I had never read one before I started this one the series and I feel like this was a great jumping off point for alien romance because it's sci-fi without it being like uh, tentacle alien erotic <laughs> fiction. I don't know. <laughs> so this is a good, I feel like this series is a great way to ease into alien romances. Um, I feel like from start to finish this series, like the storytelling has just been so good and she wrapped it up so well. I, um, I felt like the tone of this book was kind of different from the other ones, especially with Eric. So all of the other Kings up to this point, if I'm remembering correctly, had either, so one of them came from a Saruk or like a settlement, but the rest of them had kind of been out in the wild for the most mm-hmm. part. And so I feel like the way that they spoke and just interacted with people was very, uh, um, it didn't feel super modern, I guess is the, the, I don't know how to describe what it, but it like the, this horde King, Eric, I feel like because he was raised in Dothic, like a, a large city, he felt like a city boy in the way that he interacted with other people. Yes, I agree. Yeah, he's uh, the only Horde King that didn't, that like he grew up in the city, mm-hmm. right? And he also was the only one I think who didn't want to be a Horde King. Like everyone was, when he um, announced that he was entering like the Horde King trials and everyone was really confused by it because um, it wasn't ever something he showed interest in. Um, yeah, but I liked he's kind of petty too so once he finished the um the trials and the um king was like congratulations he was like i'm your son (laughs) uh i'm still alive mother sucker Uh uh-huh yeah yeah it was great i feel like just like the way that he talked to people was his tone was different from the horde kings that we have seen in the past and I don't know. I liked it. I felt like his whole vibe was different from the stuff that we've read before. So mm-hmm. that was cool. And then Kara is a grown hybrid. So we've like all of the females, the female protagonists in these books have ended up pregnant at the end, I think. And this one is no exception to that, but this is the first time we've seen like a hybrid that's an adult, which is different. That's cool too. 
Yeah, I like that she plays with I thought it was I wish there were actually more references like from her point of view of her like tail or something, you know, like because mm-hmm. it mentioned several times like she's holding her tail and like petting it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's like a nervous tick. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't come up too often, which is like, oh. No. I love that though. Mm-hmm. I love every single mention of the tail. Mm-hmm. I like that that's like her nervous tick too. Like she brushes her tail, like the, the tuft of her tail back and forth in her hand when she's fidgeting. And yeah. I love the characterization and the way that her features, half human, half the car kind of get incorporated. Yeah. Also bless her heart. She was just so naive in some things. She reminds me of like the 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 kids that were never socialized and they don't understand like those unspoken social rules. Like you don't just ask someone if they're gonna want to mate with you if they can see your vulva. Um, you don't just stare at someone's penis. <laughs> like the social cues were not we're not there. <laughs> yeah. And that's how, I mean, everything that she's learned about in terms of like male female relationships has come from books in a library that is run by priestesses. So it's not like they have smut in the stacks, right? They're like historical mm-hmm. accounts. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I loved her. Like, I think she may be my, it's hard to look back and remember because I haven't read it in a while, but I like her actions, her dialogue, her thoughts, they made me smile and laugh a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like Tito even pointed out, he was like, why are you? Cause I was reading and then he like came up like in my eyesight. So I looked up and I was like smiling and he's like, what is that look? Mm-hmm. I was like, this book is funny and I love her. Mm-hmm. She was great. Um, her curiosity, her constant questions, which led to the humor, right? And then we have the fact that, so when she started off in this adventure, right, her plan was to just come right back um, and live with the priestesses again. So she's really like soaking up everything that she can. Um, at every point in time that she can and I felt like it gave the book like a little more magic to it kind of because we're seeing it from the first time like with her mm-hmm. the first time with her so things that stand out to her get to stand out to us and um I also love that she stands up to Eric so much yeah right and like really makes him work for it mm-hmm. uh it's great it added to like the angst pretty well too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the way that she like stops and appreciates the things that they're seeing. Uh, like the, the constellations, mm-hmm. the, uh, the way that the land looks when she encounters a lake for the first time, all of the animals, like there is so much that she hasn't seen because she's been kept in a tower for 30 years she reminds me a little bit of moana there's so much that she wants to see and do she has so much potential for greatness she's been told since she was a kid like she was picked by kakari for something special and so she's desperate to get out and explore Mm -hmm. and you could feel her frustration with 
the priestesses, especially with her Coloma, her mom, and it was super relatable. They won't let her become a priestess because she's half human. Right. Which, which is, is bull. Yeah. But they also won't let her explore. They don't want her to leave. I feel like it's really selfish. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know like her uh, mother uh, was basically like worried for her. And that's why, you know, she's worried, mm-hmm. I guess, that she'd be discriminated against a hybrid or people wouldn't like her, all of that. So like, okay, but she gets to the point where she's old enough to make that decision herself. Mm -hmm. that's something she's willing to risk so yeah yeah I just felt very frustrated on her behalf Mm -hmm. I also think that she's really good at standing up to she stands up to Eric right so she Mm -hmm. she does that and it's great but she also stands up to uh her Coloma as well her mom Mm -hmm. and she points those things out she expresses her frustration you won't let me do this but you don't want me to do this either I feel and even after that when she discovers that the priestesses have known about the fog but have kept that information from her and haven't done haven't like first of all how rude to get all of those messages from the horde kings and not ever send a like you can't just write a a message that said like hey We've hearing your we've heard your concerns. We're doing some research. We can't help you right now. Rude. Yeah. You could send a message. Mm-hmm. Super. But Cara, Cara points out to the her mom, the priestess, like you're not doing your job because you're trying to protect me. And that's not right. So yeah. I also think it's interesting. So for as socially inept as she is in certain situations, she's also really smart. And she, so when they went to see that um, Sakar, right? In that village. Yeah. Um, huh, yeah. 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 And she manages to sway him, you know, just really easily. Mm-hmm. And she knew exactly like wh- how, what to propose to him to get him on their side, you know, telling him yeah. to, you don't have to give it to us. You just have to show up when I ask you to. Yeah. Yeah. So, and meanwhile, Eric was like, give it to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds about right for the guy who has an extensive like network of uh, people doing stuff for him in his town and is a horde king. They're pretty used to making demands. Whereas with Kara, she's had to finagle and kind of wiggle around with the priestesses to get what she wants for her whole life so I feel like she is uh probably well suited for diplomatic things like that yeah where you have to be a little more a little less aggressive maybe right Mm -hmm. and it's that same scene, I think, where she says, like, around the same time as that scene's ending, where she says no to him mm-hmm. for, like, one of the first times. He's like, we'll be sleeping in the same room. And she's like, we will not be doing that. Yeah. And he's like, um, he's like, you're breaking my heart. It's the first night we slept apart or something. And I just, I love her response. 
You lived your entire life without me sleeping, sleeping next to you. I trust that your heart could survive it. I'm just like, mm-hmm. yes. Like yeah. I, I could read like a hundred more pages of this book with just some more of her snark added in and stuff and her shutting him down. It was great. Yeah. yeah. And he's very charming and flirting. So that's probably been a, like a successful strategy for him up to this point. He could probably flirt his way through some things, even when he, so we get the uh, imagery of the prince getting into the tallest tower of the castle when he's mm-hmm. trying to get information from her. And she pleads with him to take her with him when he leaves and he says no and she starts crying and he he makes this I mean just the way that he talks I think he's probably trying to be charming but it does come off as a little bit manipulative when he's like you'll break my heart if you keep if you won't look at me again or something she turns away you you'll break my heart if you keep crying or something he calls her Sayla or Sila, Sila, which means darling. Like I feel like because of the influence that he has had in Dothic, he's probably very charming. And that's probably worked out really well for him. Mm-hmm. But Car is not intimidated by him. She doesn't follow through with any of the things that are traditionally shown with horde kings like not looking at him in the eye she wants to know his name like immediately yes, instead of I, calling him Rastarok and he's like this is actually kind of rude and she's like oh really names aren't that important where I'm from <laughs> and so because she doesn't have those same uh what traditions or behaviors kind of laid down for her because she always grew up surrounded by women in a temple those things that have traditionally been effective strategies for him are not as effective with her she's not as influenced yes I also really like how determined she is to pursue the things that she really wants. So he's super attractive and she's super into him. Uh, but he makes it pretty clear to her that they're not going to end up together. And at one point he says something to the effect of it. You're going to hate me by the time this is all said and done. And she says, look, I want to experience everything that I can because she's planning to go back to the temple at some point. And so if he's not going to have sex with her because she wants to experience sex, if he's not going to do it, then she's going to find someone else. And he's like, stop trying to make me jealous. And she says, I'm not trying to make you jealous. That's a you problem. These are the things that I want. And if you want to be involved, okay. And if you don't, okay, I'm going to experience them regardless. Yes, I know. He gets jealous and he's like, oh, you're not going to like make me fall in love with you or something. Other women have tried to make me jealous before. And she's kind of like, dude, I just want to live my life. Yeah. Like your emotions, like jealousy and stuff did not factor in to my decision. I wasn't thinking about you. Yeah. Yes. I love that she steadily pursues the things that she wants. And I get so frustrated with him for being like self-absorbed, maybe a little bit, 
like or probably he's just been manipulated several had people in his life who tried to manipulate him for power and so he perceives that as being her trying to manipulate him she's not though she's just trying to experience as much as she can in the short time that she's out of the temple so he's a little bit obnoxious sometimes yeah um but i love her yeah i really love her with um eric he's definitely i understand the frustration because i was also somewhat frustrated with him but I um, I found he also had some pretty funny moments, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so this this line just made me laugh. Um, it was possible I had a kink for females who hated my guts because I felt my cock only thicken with her rage, and I was just like hearing that like a kink for women who hate me just made me laugh. It's like okay. He had some, he had some funny moments too worked in there. Well, he did. Yeah. They had some great interactions too. When she's telling him about the constellations and she's talking about Beckar's sword. Oh yes. No, no, that's Beckar's cock. And she's like, what? (laughs) Yes. And she's like horrified by it (laughs) or just not horrified, just surprised. Yeah, but yeah, well, she finds it insulting. She's like, I've studied constellations forever. And he's like, well, this is what they say about it. <laughs> the way that he so I, their interactions together are really cute. Like she reads to him because he can't read. But then he also kind of they have these little conflicts, which I like about mm-hmm. the history of uh, Dakar because she's she knows what's been recorded in books mm-hmm. but what we know about books is that they don't always capture the full scope of the story and so she tells him the stories and he says no 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 that's that's not what happened this is what really happened mm-hmm. their yeah. uh, banter their interactions are nice I agree uh, yeah, all their interactions, my dialogue together was. I know that we talk about this every time we read one of her books, but I love that they call affectionate names, soft names in this world. That is adorable to me every <laughs> single time. Yes, it is. He calls her Sela, which means darling. And then later on, he calls her princess. And it's like snarky at first, but then it turns into this really sweet thing. And then he starts to call her my love, which I have a problem with initially because she's like, I know he doesn't really love me. That's so hard. Why would you say the things? I mean, I feel like I know an entire alien language at this point. Right? Yeah. Yes, me too. So uh, I had... I had some feelings about the high priestess, about Kara's adoptive mother. Mm -hmm. I got really frustrated with her. So I appreciate Kara calling her out for failing to act. But when Kara and Eric are preparing to leave with a heartstone, um the high priestess says to eric like don't have sex with her don't take her to dothic 
she can't be your queen. You're going to ruin her. But then she tells Kara what to say when they do get to Dothic. Like, what? what is this mix? Like, I think that she's just trying to protect Kara. Mm-hmm. But I found the whole interaction to be very frustrating. Yeah. Like, are you trying to reverse? I feel like a reverse psychology type of thing that's going to happen. Like, don't have sex with her. And he's like, I'm going to have sex with her. <laughs> don't take her to Dothic. That's exactly what happens. She can't be your queen. Okay. Uh, it was all foreshadowing. Yeah, That's what it was. Well, and she's she has foreseen this. She has foreseen yes. Kara leaving, Kara leaving with him. She has foreseen Kara becoming pregnant. She's also foreseen some different paths, and she's seen one that results in like endless painful death if she stays at the temple why would you want that for her why are you sabotaging their relationship i thought it was hysterical though when Kara and eric they're writing the pierogi mm-hmm. and Kara gets like the friction burns on the insides of her thighs mm-hmm. and eric's like you got to put some stuff on this or it's going to be a problem and so she starts to take her pants off and she's like, wait, are you going to want a mate? If you can see my vulva, it, she calls it a milliar. I'm assuming that's a vulva. And he's like, what? She said, yeah, you're going to see it and you're going to want a mate. And he's like, no, no, no. That's not how this works. <laughs> and he has to explain what seduction is to her. And she's like, so you're not going to want a mate. No. No, that's no. <laughs> it was it was one of those really funny interactions that they had. Yeah, and oh, bless her! Like that's, yes, that sweet uh, summer child. She just doesn't know the rules. No, no. But then she starts to follow the rules. And respect his boundaries and says, like, okay, I'm not going to try to stare at your penis anymore. I'm just going to, I'm just going to be your friend. So they hit this lake. He has to save her. He gets aroused. He takes off his pants and he's like, well, if I'm going to be sexually frustrated, so is she. This is the worst plan. What are you thinking? She's a 30-year-old virgin. Of course, she has plenty of frustration. Uh, yes, that scene was hot, though. It was extremely hot. I love a good hand job scene. And that was a good hand job scene. It was. For yeah. some reason, like anytime the female character has a hold of the male character's cock and the male character is helping him stroke himself that is Mm -hmm. just so spicy to me I just love that but then immediately after he's like oh this was a mistake I regret it let's pretend it didn't happen and she feels ashamed yes and she's really she makes a good point there's a quote later on um where she makes a good point where he took that from her the feel like it was a good experience it was fun and his reaction afterwards and uh, like instilling that shame in her took away from that memory like that she was going to have it was going to feel negative yeah instead of positive yes it's mm-hmm. disappointing 
I do love that the priestesses masturbate. So Clara mentions this, that she's never had sex before, like penetrative intercourse, penetrative sex before, but she has explored her own body a lot because Kakari says that you should enjoy your body. And I love that, that mindset about exploring self-pleasure. I don't understand why we can't take this view with Christianity. Everything about sex has to be shameful for some reason. And masturbation is just the worst. I don't, that makes no sense to me. I love that. I love that they have a religious belief that has them exploring their own bodies. Yeah. Because I, there's no shame automatically associated to sex with that. No. Too. Like, so there's no shame with the masturbation. Um, and there's no shame with shame with sex either. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they're priestesses, so they shouldn't be doing it, right? They're not supposed to. Right. They took some vows. Um, yeah, some vows and stuff. But the act still of it, like, they wouldn't shame Kara for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The entire approach to sex in this society is favorable. Like they don't have shameful feelings about sex and interactions. And half the time the people in the hordes are half naked. Mm -hmm. feel like they've got their nipples painted gold in some scenes that we've read before. So their clothes are sheer, something like that. Yeah. Imagine how we might evolve as a society if we could stop putting so many shameful feelings on our bodies very interesting to see yeah alas i don't see it happening anytime soon no maybe our like children's children children you know this generation's assuming that the earth isn't all flooded assuming which yeah, reminds yeah. me, this story reminds me a little bit of our global warming situation. Mm-hmm. Did you get that vibe when you were reading it? Yeah, I did. There were some parallels here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They talk about the history of Dakar. At some point, the world became unbalanced in the past. And this is what Kara discovers in the library. And so it wasn't a fog that was created. The ground became red and poisoned, basically. Mm-hmm. And so Kara, no, not Kara. And so they, they helped to create, recreate the balance. And the same thing has happened here, which is the manifestation of the fog. The world is unbalanced, especially with what's going on in Dothic. Mm-hmm. And so Kakari gives them a chance to rebalance it, but this is the last chance. She's not going to help them again. If they die, they die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were definitely some parallels I could see there. Yeah. Except we don't have a Kakari. We're just barreling towards our doom. (laughs) 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 And we have stupid people who are like, I don't want to be scared of the weather. Nothing's happening. It's fine. Oh, God. Meanwhile, it's not fine. (laughs) I liked Eric. But he did kind of frustrate me sometimes. How did you feel about him? Yes, I was frustrated with him for, I mean, he's got the whole like alpha male sort of thing going on with the possessiveness, mm-hmm. which can get frustrating. Um, 
I also felt like he was outshined by Kara. Yeah. Um, so, which was fine. I loved her so much. Yes. Um, but yeah, he was right. I didn't dislike him. It wasn't like, oh, I disliked him. It was just, he was a frustrating character, you know, and also the whole hot and cold thing that he's got going on is can be tiresome. Yes. It was just annoying to me mm-hmm. that like the whole like you said the hot and cold thing like they give each other hand jobs in the lake and he's like oh no this was a mistake they go to the saruk and he's jealous because the sorakar likes kara better and another male is giving her attention and then he gets jealous because the killip leader mm-hmm offers to mate with Kara because she's putting off all the sexy scents and he's like clearly this your needs are not being met and you don't have any claiming marks on you and then Eric is like mine basically and so he claims her and then they get to his home and he becomes I'm just I get I just don't understand why he's so determined to get in the way of his own happiness. I think maybe he sees her as a distraction. Yeah. Too from his and a weakness. Yeah. And a weakness. Yeah. Although I do love it's that scene that leads to their first sex scene, right? Yeah. Like full on sex scene, right? Yeah. And there's something about so he like straight up bites her at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a point where she's biting him back and he's um just like, yes, leave your marks on me too, or you're gonna mark me too. Mm-hmm. And there's something about like a guy wanting to be marked like that, and he's like, I want your marks on me. That I just like it, I just love it. It gets yeah. to me. Um I've seen it, you know, in a in a bunch of books where like they can't reciprocate the whole like claiming mark thing. Mm-hmm. But the guy is like, I still want a claiming mark. Like, I still want something to show that I'm yours sort of thing. Yeah. Just, it's so sweet. It is. Love it. Well, I really like, so what I like is in the, the day before this scene where they, they do have sex for the first time. Mm-hmm. He, she's, he says, we're going to share a room. And she says, no. And he does the whole, like, you're going to make me sad thing. Mm-hmm. And I really like in a later scene where she starts to set, like she sets a boundary with him. She says, I know what I want from you, but you don't know what you want from me. And so until you can figure that out, I'm just going to try to be your friend and you're not going to touch me anymore. Mm -hmm. I love when, especially the female characters, but I love when characters set boundaries like this. It's so healthy. Yep. Yeah, it's a good, um, it's good to see in books too. Yeah. Like I'm looking out for myself. I'm protecting myself that I feel like a lot, well, with romance novels, maybe in the past, a lot of times, like the female characters got steamrolled by the male characters and their desires. And so it's really nice to see a female character. And I feel like a lot of the female characters in the previous books have done a good job of setting this type of boundary too. The in the fourth book specifically, where the girl, the female is a healer 
I remember her. I think that's probably my favorite book in the series, but she does a really good job of setting boundaries as well. And I like that we get that from this one too. She says, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of myself. And when you figure things out, you can come talk to me. There's like a real, so this author, Zoe Draven is just so good at writing angst. Like I yes. love it and I hate it. I get so frustrated with it, but I also delight in it. She is so good at writing this without making me want to put the book down and walk away from it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It's like the perfect amount. I love the way that she writes it because there are times when I have put down books in the past just because it was too much. Never with Zoe though. She makes me feel things at the perfect level. Mm-hmm. It's like every time I read one of the Horde King books, right. It's like, Oh, this one's my favorite now. <laughs> After I finish it, it's like, this is my favorite in the series. They're all my favorite. Mm -hmm. They're all so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So they go to Dothic, they get to Eric's house and he, so Kara really likes taking baths, which, okay, whatever. His bathtub is literally a small pool. I thought Kara was exaggerating because she compares it to a lake, but then they mentioned that the tub has steps into it. Like what? (laughs) That takes so much water to fill up. How do you heat it? We can barely fill up a bathtub at my house with the water staying hot. It's magic. It's alien technology. And the aliens have it. I mean, I might actually enjoy a bath if I could stand up and my whole body be covered in water. Mm-hmm. I just don't enjoy them. <laughs> but I might if I could do this. Yeah. Um, so they get to um, Dothic, right? Mm-hmm. And there are some pretty big reveals that happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. unexpected things one of them being that um so one of them the one that surprised me the most was that the high priestess Kara's Coloma was actually in love with her dad and the high priestess in Dothic is Kara's aunt mm-hmm. She's super, she's like, oh yeah, your dad was my brother and your Coloma loved him, but she chose power. Which I found very interesting that she chose power over love. Cause you know, that's so rare that we see that in books, right? Mm-hmm. Or anything. It's like, no, you always choose love over power or whatever, you know, the power of love overcame the yes. desire for other power, but her reasoning for it was really interesting. It was because no one would remember her love, but they would remember that she was the Seta Kaliri that helped propel Dakar into a new future. And I have some mixed feelings about that. So she wants like immortality that way. She wants to be like in history, mm-hmm. basically. But also like, I feel like she's kind of dismissing love at the same time because like the way you love your family will be remembered and it will be carried down for like generations and stuff too. You know, like however you emulate that. And so your family will remember. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting perspective and I, 
I, I mean, you're right. We don't see that very often. Usually it's like, love will save us all. And in this one, it's like power will save us all. Yeah. Lisetta Kaliri, the second to, or the, the priestess in Dothic is like, love is ta- terrible. You should be striving for power. <laughs> That's not the message we usually get in these stories, but okay. Let's <laughs> okay. twist on it. That's all right. I mean, that's one way to look at it, I guess. Uh, you could you could take that position, sure. <laughs> all right. Um, I do wonder. Uh, so eventually, when Kara goes back to the north and she's reunited with her Coloma, she brings this up with her, and she says. She asked about her mom because her mom ended up being in love with the person that the, her Coloma was in love with her childhood love. Mm-hmm. And her Coloma says, I loved and hated your mother. Um, she didn't, you know, was jealous because she got to be with the person that her Coloma loved. But then she also had Kara. And even though she took an oath not to have children or to pursue romantic relationships or things like that. She still got to experience the love of a child and raising a child and things like that. Um, which I think is, is interesting. She says, we're not supposed to experience love because it changes our perception and we're not able to love everyone in the same way. But I feel like that's a, I feel like it's hard to have compassion for other people when you can't experience loving relationships in that way, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's an interesting character. It is. Mm -hmm. I wonder if she would wish for a different life. And I wonder how they feel, the priestesses, because some of them go in very young. But I wonder how they feel, or if they've, I don't know, probably just justified or rationalized it by the end of their lives, having not been able to love others in that way. I guess the power worth it. Yeah. So I did not know that the Horde Kings and Dothic were so close to war, the way that Eric is talking about it. Like mm-hmm. I knew that the Horde Kings didn't like the current king right mm-hmm. like Dothakar but I don't remember like war being a concern like that it was always about the red mist yeah I so like you said I I remember them mentioning in some of the other books that things were not going well with the king with the Dothakar and that there was a lot of unrest and just all around bad feelings because he kept taking from the hordes. Mm-hmm. And so I remember that. I wonder if we're getting, because it sounds more like a lot of just civil unrest within the city. And so I wonder if that is coming through more because we're seeing more from the perspective of a person who actually lives in Dothic. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we get some different perspectives, I think, because we have our male main character is from this place. He's a city, he's a city boy. 
but he's also the bastard son of the the king and yeah. so because of that and i love how and so I, I you know have the frustration with eric but he i think is the way that he is because he's had to be so careful in his life in who he's trusted in forging these connections with the community mm -hmm. Again, that's where that charm is going to come through and be really handy. His ability to create relationships with the people. That's important. Yeah. But because of that, I don't know, some of his interactions with um, Car, I feel a little bit manipulative. They mentioned the Dothakar having gold armor. And I feel like I've read before that gold does not make good armor because it dents easily. It's like a soft metal for armor. Have you yeah. heard that? Did I make that up? No, you're right. I Well, I don't know if it's particularly about armor, but um, gold is a soft metal. And I don't think you, you can't harden it the way you can with other metals, mm -hmm. um, which I learned from Forged and Fire. Hey. So, like that, but yeah, so you can't, um, it would not be useful, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the most useful armor. It's better than nothing, I suppose. <laughs> All right. There's something there, but yeah, there's no way to like, that I'm aware of anyway, that you like harden it to make it something that won't dent. Yeah. And everything, so... I guess back to blood, everything finally comes to like this climax, right? Where um, one of, so they basically run into the Dothakar in the street, kind of, mm -hmm. and one of Eric's men in the rebellion, right, try to kill him, like try to kill the um, Dothakar. And he gets captured, of course. And the Dothakar is like, okay, well, I won't kill him if you come see me in private so obviously then eric is basically captured by the dothakar by dothakar yeah um and kara has to go rescue him <laughs> yeah so i feel like eric was really smart in this situation he's trying mm -hmm. to save his friend kira's life so he calls out to the dothakar and says hey i'm here and the dothakar is like shit Mm -hmm. I've been called out by this guy. He's super threatened by him. And so he tries to squirrel Eric away, basically, so that he can kill him, not in public, can take care of this problem. And Eric is like, oh no, I know what you're trying to do. So he's like, all right, dad. <laughs> yes. Let's go, dad. Mm -hmm. Call him out. <laughs> Everybody knows now. Everybody knows that Eric is, you know, because the gossip mill is running now. So everybody knows Eric's the heir. The people mm. want him because he's forged all of these connections with all of these people and has offered protection and has been laying the groundwork for this forever. They take him to the castle. He gets the crap kicked out of him. The priestess and Kara show up and you know unshackle him and i kind of love that the old dothakar ends up dying because of kara slash kakari yes. 
So he was like, let me see her will. Kari has ordained this, blah, blah, blah. So he grabs a hold of Kara and she's like, see it, bitch. Mm-hmm. And he dies. <laughs> Oh, that was great. I feel bad for her because she felt guilty and everything. But yes, where she goes, I think she's, he's like, let me see it. And she goes, if you want to see it, then take it. Right. And mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, and I liked that. And then, yeah. Yes. Do you feel bad for her? Mm-hmm. She feels very bad about it. Mm-hmm. And even Eric is like, no, it wasn't your fault. Yeah, he touched you, but he was fine. And he just started laughing and then he died. And she's like, okay, but he died because he touched me. But all right, whatever. I appreciate you trying, I guess, to make her feel better. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So Eric gets what he wants. He gets to be the king. This is like he's his goal. He's been trying to get here. But then this stupid man starts thinking about sending Kara away for her safety because someone try- makes it down their hallway to try to get to him. And so he's scared, but he doesn't tell her about it. He doesn't tell her that her threat, her safety is being threatened in the first place. So he's like hiding her away. And she just thinks that he's ashamed of her because she's part human. He mishandles this situation so badly every part of the situation is handled poorly yeah communicate with her and then he's a giant butthead to her when the priestess starts asking him well like what would the queen think about these decisions that you're making which first of all i'm not sure that that's how leadership in the city should work anyway i feel like she was asking about what would the queen think? And I was thinking, well, what, why does that, I don't know. I don't know how you lead a city. I don't know, whatever. Uh, but then his defenses are up because he finds out that, you know, Kara is the niece of this priestess and she feels, he feels like her relationship with him is being used. And so he does send her away. Mm-hmm. And Kara is like, I'm going to leave because I love him but she's heartbroken. And I was thinking I would leave the castle in flames. <laughs> if not like just tough it up and do it. I'm leaving because I love him. He's like, I'm setting this castle on fire because I love you and you hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's not upset Marissa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just so rude and she tells him that she's pregnant and he doesn't believe her even though she's seen it in the vision he's like there's no way he thinks that she's using that to try to manipulate him but he's set up to this point that she's a terrible liar and he knows when she's lying so why wouldn't you believe her now but so one of the reasons why I like um Kara so much is that she is like okay I'm hurt but I understand why you did what you did, right? Like, I understand she takes time to think about his side of things. He doesn't deserve that um, thoughtfulness. No, I feel like this is not a natural reaction that people would have. (laughs) No, I, yeah. But she tries because she's like, I I think it's, you know, 
she's a calm. She doesn't want to be selfish. Yeah, she doesn't want to be selfish. Um, and so she tells him this, and I love the groveling at the end of this book. Okay, because he messes up some more, and there are some other good points that happen here. There's right? a lot that happens in between. So it's not just about. that he sent her away, like he mm-hmm. sent her away, and then sent a letter that was like, "Don't bring her to the fog." Mm-hmm. Okay, and she is just so ferocious. She figures out like she's got a hold of three of the heart stones, and she shows up, and he was like, "I told you not to come," and she's like. I don't really think you get a say in the things that I do. Yep. I love her. She's so great. He tries mm-hmm. to stop her and she's like, boy, bye. Yeah. And she like uses magic to push him away from her. Yes. Like a literal physical maneuver away. She knocks him down. I also like how the other horde kings though with their wives are sort of like, oh, fine. I guess they're doing this again. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, I can't just stop super it out with it. Like yeah. fine, put yeah. yourself in danger. Yeah. Yes. But then uh, he tries to stop her and she's like, so he's he's like, you're not gonna do this. And she's like, no, I'm doing it. And he says, everything I have done was to keep you safe. And she oh, said, Yes, no, I love no. her response. It was meant to keep you whole because you broke me a little to keep yourself safe. You took from me and gave nothing of you. Ah! I love that so much. I put it on it. I put it in the notes too, um, somewhere. I, I loved that. Like her calling him out the strength that she has kind of behind that. Like, no. You don't get yes. to say that you protected yourself. You get yes. nothing of you. I so powerful. I loved it yes. so much. So she's like amazing. And she destroys the fog. Oh. It goes away. She is standing like the only one left standing when the fog disappears. And she's like, oh, yeah, here's this sword. Yeah, this is for you. We're done here. And then she blacks out for a week. And then we go back to the north. Mm-hmm. She's been in a coma. She wakes up. Eric. Okay. Now let's talk about the groveling. Right. Okay. So he's been hanging out outside of, because he's not allowed inside where the priestesses are to stay. No male has ever stayed the night. Right. Mm-hmm. Basically. So he's been sleeping outside. Um. And every day he like demands to see her, like when she wakes up, right? So she comes out of the coma um, and he was just been like waiting for that. And then, so she wakes up, then he starts sending her stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, he sent her, and they're thoughtful, they're pretty thoughtful presents. Like yeah. he sent her nice papers and she was like, nope. I feel like if she had a shredder, she would have put it in the shredder, but she regifted yeah. it. Um, so he sent her presents, that's gonna like fix things. And so she finally goes outside to talk to him and is like, quit it. I like, I understand why you did what you did. You need to leave. Like, I, that's it. You need to leave. Yep. Um, you being king or whatever. She said something about like him making it clear that like being king was more important, right? And she's like, and I totally understand that, that that's how you think. 
like that's fine leave yeah <laughs> so. forget about us forget about this forget about everything like you need a queen that can be what you need and that's clearly not me so just forget about all of us and uh, go on mm-hmm. and that freaking speech made me cry like damn you zoe drazen why do you make me cry every single time i read one of these books <laughs> This speech, she was just so impassioned and upset, but trying to make it be okay for him. Mm -hmm. Return to your city, take the sword, create a better world for all of us. Find a queen that will be strong enough for you. Forget about me. One day you'll see that this is the right choice. I read that and just started crying. It was like, shh why we got almost to the very end there were only 40 pages left and now i'm crying (laughs) you almost made it through i almost made it through but this happens every single time the woman creates an impassioned you know she she has an impassioned speech where it's like i don't need you we'll be fine do what's best for you i don't know why this is she's so good at writing these scenes though and then eric's like grovel like him being like oh gosh now i have to do more no not in like a bad way but he realizes how he made her feel yeah right and is like no that's not true like i'm sorry yeah um and so again she says gonna leave and but he his last resort is to climb up to her tower Mm -hmm. again which is a nice little throwback to it, but he climbs up her own tower and she's like, what, why are you here? Like I was crying and now you're here. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? And so he starts making his impassioned plea to her about, you know, his apology and he loves her and all of that. And I, I just, I love this. And I see you made a note too about how she's thinking about herself and she goes um, is he good enough for me yeah well, yes mm-hmm. i feel like this has been a theme for cara through the entire book too like she knows that she might be different but she also knows her worth mm-hmm. at one point she talks about eric being ashamed of her but she says well i'm not ashamed of me yep i know that i'm great i know that i have worth So he may feel that way, but just because he feels that way about me does not mean that I have to feel that way about me. And we get Mm -hmm. this at the end where she's like, okay, is he worthy of me? Is this good enough? Yes, queen. No, you're worth. So, you know, he is worthy of her. Yes. They get married. She's like, all right, we'll be together. They get married like five seconds later. They go back to the kingdom. We get an epilogue that's a month later, which is great. I love an epilogue. She's still super pregnant. Everything's going well. They're navigating things. And everybody's happy. Yep. And it just wraps up the whole thing very nicely. It does. But it's still sad. Yeah, because that's a the end of the series Mm -hmm. 
we haven't talked about all of the books though so you know we might we'll get to do another podcast yeah. about it well, and there's gonna be a spinoff so yeah of this series in the same world but in the future so I guess I wonder if she'll talk about so she mentions that um this was brought up in the last book I think that the humans are creating their own like settlement mm-hmm. I guess Saruk like the uh um the Dakari have right. and she mentions how the relationship between the Killip the other species on this planet has kind of found peace with the Dakari. So I'm curious to see if the spinoff series is going to kind of explore what's going on in this human settlement or even with the Killip. I think I would be interested in hearing about like their life in this world too. Yeah. I would be interested in that too. I have a very hard time picturing them. Yes. I picture them as like your classic alien looking aliens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then like she mentioned one of the most handsome, you know, or attractive. And I was like, okay, I need to, I need some fan art of what these things look like. I do too. My mind gets, did you ever see the Hellboy movies? Yeah. With, um, yes. Yeah. So his like best friend, Mm -hmm. that's who I picture. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's right. No. But that is the image that comes to mind with like the spindly fingers. Oop, that wasn't the thing that I meant to do. Like the spindly fingers. And that's, I don't think that that's right, but that's what comes to mind. Yeah. I need a, I need a, a mental image. Let's talk about our quotes. Yes. So I picked one. So Cara's thinking about her life in, um, the tower with the priestesses and how she reads and she says at least in a book I could live in a different life entirely and I love that and I feel like you can relate probably and like most of our listeners can relate tons a lot of readers can relate to that like it can be such an escape you know Mm -hmm. and of course and sometimes you're sad that you're not living in the book world that you were just reading about but yes it is an escape and I'm sure at some point we've all used it you know one way or another to forget what's going on in our lives um just to have the like happy squishiness of a book (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. so I just thought that was felt that was really relatable to people agree I really like this quote and it just goes back to Clara positing her worth so she says perhaps the question should be was Eric worthy of me was he the male that I needed at my side I feel Mm -hmm. like well a lot of times we explore the idea of the female being worthy of the male usually because she's human or part human or they're I don't know thousands of years old and have lived forever and are kings or something like that and so there's this idea of the the female needing to live up to the male. And so I love that we get it. All righty. Well, that wraps up Throne of the Horde King by Zoe Draven. We have so enjoyed this series and it's sad to say goodbye, but I'm very excited about the books to come in the rest of the series. For our next few episodes, 
So Amazon is releasing the series, The Rings of Power in September. And so to gear up for some adventures in Middle Earth, we'll be discussing the Lord of the Rings books for the bulk of this month. So join us next week for The Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.